baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Uh, I had a couple of complaints about some of the sound that I've had in the last couple of episodes. Apparently, I was hitting the mic in a way that I, I didn't pick up, and also there was a wind issue, and I do know there was the wind issue when I was outside, so um, sorry about that, you know, I recorded a bunch of these, sometimes I do it on the fly, I'm doing this one um, a little more winging in a way, because I want to capture a, a couple of emotional things I want to talk about, um, there, there were... It was, you know, a wonderful night of baseball just finished up. Justin Verlander threw a complete game shutout of against the uh, Angels. And there was just, there were some, uh, Trevor Bauer had a really great game. And the Indians uh, beat the Tigers. And there's just some great stories. I mean, like, the, the Tigers are only two games out of first place. They're bad. They have a losing record at this point. But the Central is, is crap right now. And, but the, the National League, is, man, it's bunching up. And I talked about this the other day. It's bunching up in a really fun way right now. And the Pirates and the Brewers are currently tied for first place. The Cubs have fallen all the way to fourth place. Sorry, Cubs fan with an eight. And with the win against the Dodgers, the Marlins now have a better record than the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are now the second worst team in the National League. And the only team that is behind them are the Reds, a team that swept them recently and are only three back in the loss column and one back in the win column. I know it's early, but it's mid-May. It's mid-May, and the Dodgers, uh, they're uh, uh, the, with the teams that people thought were going to be, you know, god-awful in the National League, you know, two of the teams that people just assumed were going to be bad, and one of them was so bad they fired their manager, and the other was so bad that you know, basically they're putting a minor league team on the field, and that's the the Reds and the Marlins. And they've only won one game against those two teams combined. In fact, if you take the three teams that are considered to be the absolute dregs of the National League, the Marlins, the Reds, and the Padres, the Dodgers have played them 15 times and lost 10. I mean, if you want to climb out of the cellar, you have to beat the bad teams, and the bad teams are absolutely clobbering the Dodgers right now. And they're in the middle of a uh, six-game losing streak. As I said, only the Cincinnati Reds have a worse record than the Dodgers right now in the National League. And while we are not quite at the first checkpoint, which is Memorial Day weekend, that's only about a week and a half away where you have to start taking stock in your team. So uh, I just, you know, fun games are going on. Uh, the Pirates have become one of the most interesting teams because they they sold, they waved the white flag for this year, and here they are tied for first place as we're approaching the first checkpoint. And I want to just be talking about fun stuff like that, and I promise you I'm going to do another podcast this weekend where I get to talk about fun stuff. But do you know what? I got to talk about something. Because it really, really disturbed me. There was news of two suspensions in baseball over the last couple of days. One got a tremendous amount of press, and the other got virtually nothing. 
one ended and one began. We all know the one that began. Robinson Cano, hey, what do you know, was suspended for PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. And, of course, he gave the typical bullshit. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was floss, you know, all this stuff. And, I mean, come on. we, You know what you're putting in your body. I mean, you, you're... He signed a 10-year deal a couple of years ago for tens of millions of dollars a year. It was a six-figure, 10-year deal with Seattle. And I thought it was a terrible signing for Seattle, even though I think he's a wonderful player, because I thought, you don't sign anyone to a 10-year deal. Especially one who's already celebrated his 30th birthday. Because we live in an era of stronger PED tests, which means you are not going to be an elite player into your 40s. And, you know, we see that with Albert Pujols in Anaheim, and we've seen that with Robinson Cano, and, oh, whoopsie, he was caught. And people have been storming the gates in Twitter. of oh, Because everyone just acts so sanctimonious when it comes to PEDs. I've come to terms with PEDs. I assume players are using them. And I think the dumb ones will get caught. Robinson Cano got caught. And it's going to put a gigantic asterisk on his entire career. It's going to put a giant, you know, blank, you know, mark all across his potential Hall of Fame candidacy. And people all are indignant about it. And they're trashing him. Trashing the Yankees, who he used to play for. Trashing the Seattle Mariners. And his... Suspension is really, really strong. It's 80 games. That's essentially half the season. You know, it's 162 games, so 81 games is half the season. I say make it 80. You know, if you're going to have a suspension like that, go throw in the extra day. So the Mariners have lost their star hitter for half the season. And if Seattle happens to make it to the postseason... And right now, again, again, obviously, it's way too early to start making uh, postseason predictions. But as of this recording, the Mariners are one game back of the lost column of the Houston Astros, and they would be in contention for one of the postseason spots. If Seattle happens to make it to the postseason, then Robinson Cano would not be eligible. They would not be able to play Robinson Cano. That's how harsh this suspension is. You get half the season, and you don't get to play in the postseason. That is a deterrent. Now, that'll make you think, gee whiz, I'm going to be gone for half the year, and even if we do make it, I can't be part of it? That's a harsh sentence. And it gets a ton of attention, headlines. Meanwhile, in Boston, my team, the Red Sox, activated Stephen Wright who was an all-star pitcher a couple of years ago, was hurt for almost all last year. And he was on the disabled list at the beginning of the year and then had to serve out his suspension. And his suspension had to do with an incident this last December at his home in Tennessee. And his wife called 911, tried to call 911, and Stephen Wright prevented the 911 call and was charged of misdemeanors of domestic assault and was arrested. Now, 
people who commit domestic violence don't do it once. It's not a one-time thing. It is an act of control. It is an act of violence. It is an irreversible act of violence. It is an unforgivable act of violence because no matter what you do, and you know, apparently they're in counseling and everything like that, you, no matter what flowers you buy, how many apologies you do, how much you cry, your partner knows that you have the potential to commit violence against them. The person you profess to share a life with, you are now in control of with a sense of violence. And this is the time that he was caught. Now, how often has this happened? And of course, one of the reasons why charges a lot of times aren't pressed is because the people who are the victim of the violence are scared. They have to live with the violent person. An athlete in this case, and many times they're athletes who tend to be big and strong. And of course, we live in a culture where people tend not to believe the victims of domestic violence. Or if it isn't, you know, if it doesn't go all the way to the court of laws, well, there's no conviction, so therefore, no harm, no foul. Or, oh, it was a, it's their private laws or whatever. And he was suspended. He began the year on the disabled list because he was hurt. He, he missed almost the entire year last year. Didn't play in the postseason for Boston. He was disabled at the beginning of the year. And when he was activated from the disabled list, he served out his suspension. And now he's back. And he pitched in the game uh, against the Oakland A's uh, a couple of days ago. And the MLB.com had his uh, showed some of his highlights because he's a knuckleball pitcher. And they were showing his weird, you know, his wild knuckleball that he throws. And when I saw him pitch the other day, I, I had a knot in my stomach. I didn't want him on my team. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, and I have been my whole life. I don't need to prove my Red Sox credentials. The fact I'm sitting here in Pasadena, still a Red Sox fan, tells you something. But I'll tell you something. I grew up in the suburbs of Boston, but we moved to Europe, and I wore my Red Sox hat all over Europe. We moved back to Massachusetts, and then my family moved to California before the Internet. Before following on MLB, I had to wait for the newspaper and everything. And I could have been a Giant fan. I could have been an A's fan. Both Giants and the A's were in the World Series. They were, they were both really highly competitive teams. And I stayed with the Red Sox, following them day in and day out from California in the late 80s. And living in New York for 15 wonderful years, including the rise of the Joe Torre Yankees, I stayed loyal to the Red Sox all those years. I was on the HBO specials Curse of the Bambino, Reverse Curse of the Bambino. I would appear on ESPN2 as a Red Sox fan and, and pundit. And now I'm living back in California, wearing my Red Sox hat proudly. Even though the Dodgers have been in the World Series and the Giants have won the World Series since I've been back. I've stayed loyal to the Red Sox all of these years unwavering support 
for the Red Sox. And I saw my team do the wrong thing. They did the wrong thing. And they brought back Stephen Wright. When Jose Reyes was guilty of all sorts of domestic abuse charges and everything, the Colorado Rockies cut his ass. They did. He was cut. When the Dodgers were on the verge of acquiring Aroldis Chapman uh, after the 2015 season, and they desperately needed a pitcher like Aroldis Chapman in their bullpen. When he was wrapped up in his domestic violence case, they voided the trade and moved on. And I trashed the Yankees for bringing in Aroldis Chapman. Twice they brought in Aroldis Chapman. I trashed the Mets for not only signing Jose Reyes, but promoting him as one of their star players with a ton of character. And I went against the Cubs when the entire planet was rooting, save for people from Ohio, the entire planet was rooting for the Cubs to win the World Series. I didn't. Now, the main reason wasn't just that they had a role as Chapman on the team, but I knew what his role was. His role was to close out the World Series. His role was to pitch the final out. And I did not want to see, for the rest of my life, the Cubs winning the World Series and Aroldis Chapman being the man on the mound jumping up and down and being mobbed. Now, Aroldis Chapman did indeed let up that game-tying homer to Rajay Davis and damn nearly lost the World Series in that ninth inning. But that wouldn't be revenge. That wouldn't be like, oh, see, he deserved it or karma. It's nothing to do with that. Domestic violence doesn't ever get washed away. Now, the fortunately for my, you know, for my eyes, the Cubs did win the World Series, but it was not Chapman who closed out the game. When they show the clip, and they've showed the clip many times of the Cubs finally winning the World Series, Mike Montgomery was the pitcher, not Aroldis Chapman. And the the main shot they show is uh, Anthony Rizzo catching the final out, and that's the clip that you see all the time. So that was the compromise that, you know, made me sleep at night. But then the Yankees brought him back, and I trashed the Yankees, I trashed the Cubs, I trashed the Mets. And I remember the Red Sox in the 90s. This is not recent. This is the 90s when everyone seemed to look away from when it had to do with uh, domestic violence, when it wasn't even, didn't even appear to be an issue back then. And Will Cordero was in a domestic violence situation, and the Red Sox got him off the team. Didn't want him. But now they brought in Stephen Wright. And I'm supposed to act like, well, you know, the Red Sox bullpen is a problem. And maybe Stephen Wright coming out of the bullpen could help. I mean, you bring a knuckleballer out of the bullpen, that'll screw up the batter's timing. That would help the Red Sox. My team. And my team is off to a wonderful start. They're neck and neck with the Yankees right now. 
The Red Sox have the second best record in baseball right now. Second only to the Yankees, and they have the most wins in all of baseball. The Yankees have played fewer games because of rainouts. So my team has the most wins. And they have this young, dynamic manager in Cora. And they have this exciting team. Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benatendi. J.D. Martinez has fitted perfectly with the team since they acquired him from Arizona. Absolutely give them that slugger they desperately needed last year. And the team won the division last year. They are in the playoffs the year before that. They have a chance to go to the playoffs three straight years. And have a good pitching staff. And I, they're not the favorite to win the World Series. I think Houston is still the team in a short series would win it all. But the Red Sox are certainly in it. This should be one of the most exciting years. And yet here we are. They've made a decision that doesn't sit right with me. And I got a tweet from someone the the other day when I tweeted out that um, I was not happy. I said, I sent a tweet and I said, not happy that the Red Sox brought back Stephen Wright. And then the starting block, and I'll I'll post that Twitter handle on uh, SullyBaseball.com, wrote to me, will you take a similar stance as you did with the Cubs in 2016? And I wrote back, that's a good question. Honestly, don't have an answer right now. I wrote that 21 hours ago. And this morning... It hit me. Yeah. I'm taking a similar stance. Yeah. I can't support my team doing this. There are things that are more important than the love of your baseball team. And I realize that if I continued watching the games and cheering them on and everything like that, then I was doing exactly what I be committing the same transgressions that I've been accusing other fan bases, especially the two fan bases that had a role as Chapman the last couple of years, the Cubs and the Yankees, and saying, really, is it worth rooting for this guy? Is it worth turning your back on the fact that what they did? And I can't do that and not put my money where my mouth is. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm going to root against the Red Sox. I'm not going to do that. I have too many years invested in that. But I don't have to watch them. I don't have to follow them. And there are a lot of great baseball stories going on this year. As I said, the Pirates, the Astros, the Nationals with, you know, friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle on that team are on a four-game winning streak and sneaking back into what is a wild National League East. You know, there's a lot of great baseball stories going on this year. And there's a lot of baseball I can watch that does not include the Red Sox. A couple of years ago, I stopped listening to WEEI's broadcasts of the Red Sox, their radio broadcasts. The reason is, 
I, every time you read about WEEI or listen to WEEI other than the Red Sox broadcasts, they are just filled with these awful, misogynistic, racist people who host these shows to be edgy and cool and all this bullshit. And I said, I don't want to support that station. And I, I didn't make, you know, it's just my decision. If you want to, that's fine. I don't care. But I said, I'm not going to listen to EEI on my apps. I'll always listen to the visitors broadcast because it's still the same game. But I'm not going to give EEI a click, a listen, whatever it is, however they gauge it. But now my quarrel is not with EEI, but with the Red Sox themselves. So here's my stance. As long as Stephen Wright is on the active roster for the Red Sox, I will not watch or listen to their games. I will not follow them. Now, what I may have done is release myself of a tremendous time vampire of listening to three-hour Red Sox games during the day. But I also don't know if they won tonight. I think they did. But I don't know. And I'm not going to watch the highlights. And I'm not going to watch the games. And I'm not going to follow them. And I'm not going to know the ins and outs. And you understand that's part of rooting for a team. It's not just showing up in the postseason. It's, baseball is a special game, and you develop a special relationship with your team. Because they play every day. You get to know them. You get to know the pitchers. You get to know which relievers come in. You get to know which hitters are in a slump, which hitters are not. Should they change the order? Should they start this guy? This guy's hitting against this pitcher. They got a bench. You know the players. Not just the starters, but you wind up getting to know the bench players. You get to know the role players. You get to know the platoon players. You get to know the players they bring up from the minor leagues. You get to know the people who have a cup of coffee with the team. That's part of rooting for it. So when they do win, and I've seen three Red Sox teams win the World Series, and each time that they win the World Series, there is a sense of, you've got to know them. You bat, you were with them as a fan when they were playing through June and July. And I've seen the Red Sox fall short. I've seen the Red Sox fall short agonizingly in Game 7 losses and everything. And part of the reason that your heart sinks is because oh, that was the only year the Red Sox had that guy. He, he played so hard. He played so well. And think about, you know, the emotion of having a, a Nomar, you know, and not winning with Nomar. Or having a guy like Jason Bay who had that great postseason in 2008, but the Red Sox fell just short. So you invest your time and you get to know them. And you invest emotion with them. It's not just about watching them in the postseason. That's the reward. And I am going to not have that experience with the 2018 Red Sox, provided that Stephen Wright is on the roster. Because as long as he's on the roster, I'm investing emotional energy in his favor. 
This is not like Kurt Schilling, who I disagree with politically. He says stuff politically that makes me roll my eyes and says dumb things. That's not this. This is different. This is one of the worst things you can do to a person. And I can't invest that emotion to a player like that. I just can't. I'm going to watch baseball. I'm going to love it. There's going to be great games for me to watch. And I do grant you, it's a hell of a lot easier for me to make this stance knowing that the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004, 2007, and 2013. You know, if if you're a Cubs fan realizing they're on the verge of winning their first World Series in over 100 years to be able to take this stance, I understand. 108 years waiting for a title. I get it. But for me right now, I am emotionally divorcing myself from one of the most exciting Red Sox teams I've ever seen. I'm not going to watch their games. And I'm going to still find a, a Boston connection because I'm loving what the Celtics are doing. And I'm going to be watching a ton of baseball. And I'm going to root for players and get emotional. But my team made a decision that I find so morally egregious that I cannot make the emotional connection and saying, I'm going to go with you this year. Now, if I find out the Red Sox cut his ass, guess what? I'm back to watching the games. I don't want to invest that emotion. And do you know what? I'm sure I have rooted for teams that have had domestic abusers on that we don't know about. I'm, I'm sure that has happened. And it would break my heart if I find out whose names would be on that list. But here's the difference. The Red Sox did this knowingly. They knew what he did and brought him back. And the reason that I'm bringing this up, amongst other reasons, is there has to be a movement in the sports world to get serious about domestic violence. We know the NFL is a disaster. We know it's an absolute catastrophe. And baseball is trying to do the right thing and implementing these deterrents. But think about it. You get 80 games for ingesting a drug to try to make your biceps bigger or hit home runs or whatever. And you can't play in the postseason. You get 15 games. Two weeks out of 162 games. Committing the crime of performance-enhancing drugs is worth half the season. Domestic violence isn't even one-tenth of the season. Do you see a problem there? That's a real problem. How about this? You're suspended for domestic violence? You You don't get to play that year. How about that for a deterrent? You're out. No, no. They save that for ingesting a drug. And that's a major problem. Major. Now, I'm not going to fix it. But you know what, Red Sox? 
you don't get my love this year. And if you win the World Series and Stephen Wright's on that roster, you may not even get my eyeballs. So do the right thing. This is a bad guy. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. I'm going to do a lot more fun podcasts this week. But I'm not going to do any Red Sox podcasts as long as Stephen Wright is there. Which should be a great delight for some of my listeners who think I do way too much stuff on the Red Sox. So this should be a joy for you. I'll be doing stuff on the Brewers, on the Pirates, on the Nationals, on the Angels, on the Astros, even the Yankees. But not the Red Sox. Not with Stephen Wright around. So... Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school and send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Making a choice which, in the end, wasn't that hard to make. This has been Sully Baseball for the 17th day of May, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do the right thing, folks. And you can call me Sully.